You the king of the south. You, Indubitably. You claimed it. <laughs> you owned it. You stated it. You made it happen. Inequivocally. Yes. Peace of love, party people. This is Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. You are now in tune with the People's Party. This is another wonderful episode. How y'all doing? I got the lovely and talented Jasmine Lee in the house, as usual and as always. Give it up for Jasmine Lee. What's up? What's up, Jasmine? I'm chilling, man. You just got back from ATL. Yes, I just got back from ATL, so I'm super excited. Right, because today we are taking you to Atlanta, Georgia. By way of People's Party, we have today, as a guest, we have an icon, an institution in the South, but an institution in hip hop. We have a businessman. He is the grand hustler. He is the rubber band man. He has 10 albums from I'm Serious all the way to Dime Trap. But beyond that, he's doing acting. He's making all types of moves. His portfolio is very motherfucking diversified. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tip, AKA TI. What's up? Yes. Man. I love the cape. I appreciate it though. What's up, Tip? How you feeling, bro? Man, I'm cooling, man. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Yes. To love, life, and prosperity. Every day. Cheers. All day. All right. Clink. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, first before we get into this, I gotta say that um you're very famous for being Tip and you're your international household star, but just as a lyricist. Um, lyricist to lyricist, you are an incredible MC, brother. Man, thank you. You know, and I'm honored to know you. And I, people are always going to do these conversations about lyricists and uh, the South. People think the South don't have lyricists. That sure. was a conversation when you first came out yeah, that was real. Right. But because of people like you, that conversation has largely been squashed. Man, thank you. I mean, I, I'm humble. I'm, you know, definitely appreciative, and it means a lot. You know what I'm saying? Coming from someone who I hold in high regard as a lyricist. Uh, and, you know, and, and a trailblazer. Mm. Who, Thank you, who, who, I appreciate that. I mean, when I say trailblazer, I mean somebody who made the sacrifices to step aside, do something different, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because they knew it was creative and they knew it would push the culture forward, whether they thought it would sell records mm -hmm. or not. You dig what I'm saying? Yes, indeed. So I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you. You are highly appreciated around here. Um, let's start by taking it way back. Um, you were from a generation of rappers who were independent, who were hustling records out the back of your car. Sure. Um, in the South, y'all had to do that. Y'all didn't have access to the coast. And I feel like it defines a defining characteristic of a lot of artists from the South. Uh, could you speak on that a little bit? Uh, I mean, we, we basically had to get it out the mud because, you know what I'm saying, like if... Back when, we, back when, when you know, when we were coming out, if if it did, if it didn't come through the gatekeepers of New York City, then it it, it wasn't looked at as validated. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So in order for us to be to be seen and recognized, we had to move numbers before you even heard of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, so that's what you know. We took we took that we took that page out of like Master P's book, mm -hmm. or, or you know, uh, Lil J Rapper Last book, mm -hmm. or Suave House's book. Um, 
it's cats that was moving through the Chitlin circuit, you know what I mean, getting $10,000 a show before anybody from New York even heard who they was, like 8-Ball right. and MJG. Mm. Uh, so seeing that, I went from trying to get a record deal to saying, fuck a record deal, mm. just moving on my own. Mm. Then the record deal came. Right, okay. right. <laughs> now, with your first record deal, um, you know, I, I remember meeting you in New York, I think at like B.B. King's at like a Wu-Tang Clan show. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, on a national level, you had this record, I'm Serious, with Beanie Man. Right. And Beanie Man, of course, is a legendary Absolutely. reggae artist. Um, but it didn't, from a consumer and a fan standpoint, seem to fit what I thought Tip was going to bring. Right. That first single. That's true. And um, so at some point, you revamped. I did. And you got out of that deal. I did. And you uh, came back. You had Pimp, Pimp Squad Click before then, right? Right. Um, but then you put out that Pimp Squad Click record. The In the Streets, yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so what happened with my first album, I think the intention for the first project, I'm Serious, it was to show, just as you just noted, that people from the South, people from Atlanta could, like, rap. Mm-hmm with the best of them. Mm-hmm. That we could rap over any beat. Right. We could do any kind of music, that it wasn't just booty shaking and crunk music. So that was my intention for I'm Serious. That's why I chose different beats. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I spoke on different topics. I wanted it to be diverse. I wanted it to feel like, you know, it could have came from anybody. Mm. Uh, in doing that, I believe the identity uh, of of who T.I. is kind of went over a lot of people's head. Mm. They, f- they felt like the image of the person should match with the feel or the mm. vibe of the music. And when they saw me and heard my music, they just, it didn't compute, you mm. know what I'm saying? It was too many things for me to be who I am and look how I look and be from where I'm from. Mm. So that went over a lot of people's heads and I understood that. So my first project, although it may be critically acclaimed and appreciated now, mm-hmm. it didn't do as well. Uh, and even though it didn't do as well, we recognized no matter where we went, there was this one song that everybody identified with, that everybody felt like spoke to them. And it was a record that nobody thought would ever be played on the radio or get any kind of notable attention. Uh, it wasn't Pussy Pumper number one produced by Pharrell. It wasn't I'm Serious featuring Beanie Man. It wasn't Meet Me at the Hotel featuring Too Short. It was Dope Boys and Trap Niggas mm. produced by DJ Toon. Right. Um, that song and Still Ain't Forgave Myself, those two records made everybody say, yo, who is this kid? Mm. You know what I mean? And from, from that moment, I saw what I needed to do. I said, okay, well, if they love dope boys and trap niggas, that's really just me paying homage to my childhood, Mm. to the lifestyle I just left out of. So I'm gonna give them a whole album of that, and we gonna call it trap music. Right. And, you know, subsequently, uh, I wasn't receiving the attention from the label that I felt I I, I deserved. Mm And I asked them, I said, well, you know, since I'm operating as an independent anyway, and I'm already doing all the work, investing in myself, and I'm still splitting it, getting the minority share with y'all, y'all give me, give me a, uh, I think it was $2 million, a $2 million deal. Mm-hmm. Or was it a million dollar deal? Might have been a million and some change. Give me a million, uh, whatever the number was. Mm-hmm. 
an astronomical number for someone who didn't have, who had moderate success at the time. So I say, so give me this much money or just let me go. And so we had a meeting and, you know, we broke from the meeting and they said, well, we come back, we'll make our decision. L.A. Reid did. I think it was L.A. Reid and was it Mark Pitts? Or it's L.A. Reid and someone. <laughs> um, so we broke, went to lunch, came back, me and Jay, and they said, okay, well, I'm gonna give you what you want. And I looked at Jay and said, yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna let you go. I said, oh. <laughs> So at that point, I was independent, a free, a free agent, but I, I had just dropped 24s, and I don't mm. think he knew it yet. Mm. I had just dropped 24s, and it was getting hotter and hotter every day. So it was like I'm working my own record, and I'm a free agent. And when everybody heard that I had been released, it just it started a it started a bit a bit of a bidding war. But I ended up getting what I asked for a plus song from Atlantic. Whatever I asked LA for, I got that plus um, mm. from Atlanta and a you know a better deal with more equity. That's pimping the game, brother. Ah, uh, well. That's pimp squad click. Mm. Um, so trap music that now trap music is like a not just a, a genre of hip hop, but it's sort of the defining genre of hip hop. Like yeah. if you ain't if niggas in the trap in Atlanta's not listening to you, you're not really popping on a national scale or global scale. Hip-hop that makes sense. At this point, that makes sense. Um, you are sort of a, a, a founding father of trap music, and you have the Trap Museum now. Trap um, Music Museum, I do. Yeah, talk to me about the term trap music, where it started, and you know, and how we got to this point. Well, the term trap, uh, as a slang word, has existed for as long as like the 80s, 90s, early 90s at least. Um, like the first time I heard it referred to the way you heard it is 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 Big Rube on the Malcast record. Yeah, Big Rube, Big Boy, Cujo, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um I mean, so many people before me had said trap in a record. Mm -hmm. You dig what I'm saying? Uh but the words trap and music had never been combined to describe a sound mm -hmm. before August nineteenth. 2003 which is when my album trap music was released um so of course you know people rapped about drug dealing before we had master p ghetto dope even before as far back as nwa you know dope man uh but the word trap and the word music had never been combined to describe a sound until August 19th, 2003, when my mm -hmm. second album was released. Not to discredit or diminish any contributions from any of the other founding forefathers or any of the, uh, the other contributors mm -hmm. that made it, that, that, that made it what it is today. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think everybody should get they just do mm -hmm. and they've earned their respect, you know, and I don't think I by myself could have. Right taking it from where it was when I conceived it to where it is today. So I don't want to seem as though that's what I'm saying. Right. But to ask where it came from. That's where it came from. August 19th. Right. You got, you got to start three. Three. That's ground zero. I promise that's you like, that's going to be on a trivia game, and I'm going to get it right, and yeah. I'm going to win some money. Right on. Um, now, you've been very vocal about lessons from the trap. 
and lessons from street life and lessons from drug dealing and how sure. you've been able to apply it to life and how you've been able to apply it to business. Certainly. Um, and you're very similar to Jay-Z in that way um, because he, he, and which is why I think he lists you as an influence and why he's been, I feel like from the time you came out, Jay has reached out and, sure. you know what I'm saying? So, and that's something that's I am a fan. That's the homie, um, I mean, he's imparted considerable wisdom hmm. and taking his time out you know, to to pour his experience into my cup time and time again. Mm. It's definitely uh, a valued relationship. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I consider him somewhat of a mentor. Mm. Yeah, I think we all do, but you got a unique experience, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, um, what lessons do you think you know, I mentioned the lessons, but could you share for us some of the lessons that, that you feel like are important that you've learned from trapping that have been able to apply? It's so many. Mm. It's so many. I think that that's I, that's most people's first introduction into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, for us, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's subsidization for so, much, so many of us. Uh, but... Now, for me, I was an entrepreneur even before I got to the crack game. Like, you know what I'm saying? The crack game was attractive to me because I was already an entrepreneur and I just saw that it had better margins than my present industry. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so I started out selling candy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I used to sell candy, man, in third, fourth, well, actually fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Um, I started out in fourth grade because I, I traveled from Atlanta to New York every summer to visit my pops. My mm -hmm. pops lived in New York, so I spent all my summers in New York, Upper Manhattan and in Harlem. So I would go from Section 8 and the ghetto wow. uh, to stay with my pops in the summer. And when I left every summer, he'd peel me out about three, four hundred, mm -hmm. send me back. So by the second, third summer, I was starting to think like, okay, so how can I stretch this money <laughs> from the time? That grand hustle. <laughs> for the time I <laughs> get off this plane to the time the next time I see him, which is gonna be Christmas. So I, I, I would take a hundred dollars, and my my grandma would take me to Sam Warehouse. We'd buy loads of candy and bulk, you know what I mean, Schnuckles and uh, <laughs> honey buns and now and laters yeah. and all kinds of shit. And I package it up. My my goal was to make twenty dollars a day. Mm. I figure if I make twenty dollars a day, that's a hundred dollars a week. If I make a hundred dollars a week, then I'd be able to handle my being to do my you know get my little tools and fuse for myself <laughs> and, until I get to see Pops again in December. And so that's, you know, that, but but I went from $20 a day to $30 a day to $50 a day to where when I got to sixth grade, well, when I got to fifth grade, I was giving my teacher, Mr. Flynn, at Grove Park, I gave him a, a snicker a day to turn his head while I, while I, he let me sell candy. Wow. Uh, and in sixth grade, uh, I had lockers on each hallway and other cats working for me, like wow. selling candy. Uh, I gave them a twenty-five dollar, a twenty-five dollar uh, a pack of candy, and if they sold all of it, they get five dollars. You know Where did I mean? you learn this, uh, this I just, mentality from? You just were born with. I needed money. <laughs> I needed <laughs> the need. Right. You know what I'm saying? And first, and when I got the money in my Necessity hand, right, is the mother of all invention. Yeah. Absolutely. You what know I mean? What I mean, like you didn't have like someone that you no. saw. Make it. You just figured it out on your own, like oh, I'm Well, my daddy had a candy store. Oh, okay. I so will you, say that. Okay. 
My daddy did have a candy store in Harlem. So you modeled after his And life. I did like candy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he used to take me every... Yeah, it sells itself. Yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying? He used, to, he used to take me to um, the warehouse in New York, you know what I mean, in Harlem, uh, where, where all the people who got candy stores and stuff go to buy their candy wow. and they sold so us So you saw distribution from the right. Time. Oh, right. I saw wholesale. Wholesale, right. So I was like, wait a minute. So... When I buy the, a nine later from the store, it cost me that much. And then when my daddy go and get it, he get the big boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I need to go get the big boxes. Right. <laughs> right. And then I bust them down and take them to school and sell them individually. So, you know, I didn't really know what cost, you know, what the margins was at the time. But I saw him doing that. So I'm, when I started thinking, what can I do? Then, you know what I'm saying? I said, okay, well, I... I just go get me some candy and sell it. <laughs> That's smart. And like how you were saying, talking about how street knowledge and um, book smarts, whatever. When you already grow up and you're hustling candy on the street, and you start going to school and you learn economics and learn how to flip that candy, you already have that street knowledge, and that's how it comes together. And you're a boss. Sure, but see, that brings me to the next part of the story. So, so when I was in sixth grade, I had those different, you know, tentacles of uh, of my of my operation mm-hmm. but i also had a different uh form of distribution uh i i <clears throat> okay so i started getting people to steal starter coats at the locker room at oh, jordan's wow. like i never really wanted to steal i you know what i mean but i i used to get guys yeah get the gab right cuz one guy owed me some money and he didn't have no money mm-hmm. and he said that he could, and I told him I had this guy in eighth grade. I was, just, I was capping for real. I had a starter <laughs> coat, a giant starter coat that I had to fight for in the streets. Yeah, Dang, of course. Now that was, the, now, that was the real deal. Now yeah, you really starter coats was yeah, man, right starter right. coats and Jordans. You yeah, had to. I, I didn't have no Jordans. My, my parents didn't give me Jordans, but I had a starter coat. You had to be a real one to have starter coats. Yeah, and have starter coats and Jordans, times. man, in the, in the in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. But anyway, so. I, I was really capping him down, telling him, man, you know, I got this guy in eighth grade, say, man, if I don't get my money, you know. He was like, no, 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 listen, I don't have the money, but I got this starter coat. Dang. I stole it from the gym, so don't wear it here. But <laughs> At least like, he told you. I know it. So I said, oh, so you can do that? How many more of these can you get? Right. So I took that starter coat and I sold it for $25. He only owed me 15 I'm mm. 10 to the good. So I sold that starter coat for $25, <laughs> and I told him, for every starter coat you give me, mm-hmm. I give you $20. Dang, and that's another hustle. You see what I'm saying? So then I started, you know, taking starter coats from this school, selling them to people in my grandmama's neighborhood who went to another school, and that was another, <laughs> oh, that was another, <laughs> oh my God. another stream of revenue <laughs> for me. And the Jordans, too. Mm-hmm. So Jordans, I, I would get 25 for Jordans and 24 for Jordans, you, they had to I'm take them on somebody's feet, though, right? No, 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 because, you know, yeah, you have to dress oh, you out. You got to change your you clothes. You have to dress out when you go to gym. But you don't do that uh, in New York, really. We didn't change our clothes. When I went to school in Florida, right. we changed, but we didn't okay, do that. Okay, that's what I'm yeah. like, okay, see, yeah, in New York, they do that. you had to take someone Jordans off your yeah, feet. Yeah, like, give me your yeah, shit nah. off your feet. I nah. never did that. I never did that's that. That's real but, accessible. So I went from that to on the way to the bus stop one day, I saw a dude, he was outside hustling. And I asked him what he was doing because he didn't go to my school. He's standing at my bus stop. He was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm working. And so he kind of like showed me, pulled his pocket out, showed me some crack. And it was some dimes that you could bust down and make $30 off of them. 
So it's like you buy one of these, they call breakdowns, BDs. So you buy one of these for $10, you break it in three pieces, you set each piece for $10, so you make $30 off it. I said, whoa, that's way better than my candy margin. Yeah. <laughs> you know margin. what I'm saying? I was like, wait a minute now. So I'm making, I'm making like 25 to 40% profit off of, you know, off of my, my, my larceny ring. <laughs> <laughs> my starter coats and my joints. That's what it was. You were an organized criminal in and sixth grade. I'm, I'm making like 80 to 120 percent off of my candy operation. This is 300 percent profit. Wow. Or 200 percent. And you were cleaning it through your candy distribution. Yeah, too, but you it can't wasn't argue long. With the math. You can't. It, yeah, I was like, man, shh. I'm spending a hundred on candy, making a hundred twenty. I'm spending two hundred on this, making like two eighty, three hundred. I'm spending two hundred here, making six hundred. Yeah, this is what I need to do. Yeah. And so that's how I got in the drug game. <laughs> At sixth grade. Yeah. Wow. In the sixth grade. Going into seventh, kind of like the end of sixth grade. Sixth grade, I was about to have my first kiss on my senior trip. I crossed that bridge somewhere <laughs> fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, they were selling crack when I was in Brooklyn in sixth grade. Classmates were selling crack at that time. Right. So it was something that it was. Um, it was matter of fact, it was a very young thing. It was. It was like a teenage job. Yeah, it was like a teenage. Yeah. Thing. Do you guys need more whiskey? I'm I good. won't turn you down. Oh, yeah. Because I got somebody I, that'll get it for you. I won't Let's turn do that. you down. Um. Trap music um, has been cri criticized for glorifying uh, some of the worst Not elements. Not that much. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. He's trying to get you lit, lit. Oh, it's a party party. They need a wheelbarrow um, yeah, yeah, out yeah, of here, yeah, man. Yeah. I need some um, you know, I, me as a, as a, I get labeled too. Right. I, get labeled, I get labeled as a conscious artist, but I don't get the same criticisms. Right. Um, it's a different beast altogether. Right. Um, explain why I... I know, but uh, make a dummy proof. Uh -huh. Why the criticisms of trap music, especially in the era of where people will pay money to see a movie on Netflix or a Hollywood movie mm. that glorifies sex, that literally glorifies sex and violence without um, any redeeming value. Mm -hmm. They won't judge that, but they'll judge music made by people who are using the music as a, a means to get out of a situation. Mm. Well, what I will do, because I can't really justify or I can't explain nor excuse why they feel how they feel. Understood. You dig? Uh, but what I can justify, explain, and excuse is where we come from okay. and why. Uh, of course, it's been criticized. I understand that people don't understand it. However... We are refugees mm -hmm. of the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. You dig what I'm saying? When you understand that we didn't put ourselves in that situation, none of us really had much of a choice than to walk outside and be bombarded with crack, cocaine, and, and, and heroin, and you know, the things that we, and guns and mm -hmm. violence, we kind of, we fell into that just like, I mean, people from the 70s fell into weed and mushrooms. Mm -hmm. You dig? Uh, when you understand that the Contra scandal was, was, it was 
it was an operation that was intended to cripple and destroy people of color mm -hmm. in the underserved inner city areas of society. Mm -hmm. That is why cocaine was turned into crack. That ain't nothing that no nigga just stumbled on. Right. You dig what I'm saying? I don't give a damn what oh, Snowfall no. say. Didn't no nigga just stumble on that. <laughs> it's a part, that it's, it's a couple steps, they, you know, I love right. the show. That's a good show. I enjoy it. I the love the show. I enjoy it, but I but they know. They, you know, you know, you know, for, you know movies and TV. That shit was made in a laboratory. Yeah, you know. That shit was made in a laboratory. You dig what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Ain't no nigga just got that. Oh, let me fuck up some cocaine mm -hmm. and some water. And oh, let's see what happens. Let's smoke it. Let it dry. Uh, man, come on, man. Ain't nobody did no shit like that. So <clears throat> that was put there to destroy us. We endured it. We survived it. Uh, and this is our celebration. Exactly. Look at us as war veterans. Okay. Vet veterans of the drug war. Yeah, veterans of the war on drugs. If we went out to Iraq, I'm sure there were heinous things we had to do to survive That's in order to make right. it back. I'm sure there were people who died to the left or the right of us. I'm sure there were some tragedies unspeakable that we shouldn't be proud of that we had to do in order to make it back. But we made it back. That's right. And when we make it back, if two or three of us get in a room together, we're going to tell our stories. Mm -hmm. And make the best of the, the and situation. And when Veterans Day come up, we're going to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Because that's our day. Mm -hmm. I can't tell no soldier who's gone off to fight and kill for a reason that they didn't even know about. And I, don't, I may not agree with I can't tell them not to celebrate because that's them celebrating the fact that they survived their horrendous conditions and they endured their pain. I can't tell them how to celebrate that. This is our pain. Mm -hmm. These were our horrendous conditions that we endured, we overcame, they did not break us, and even more so, we found a way to make millions off of it. So you can't tell me how to celebrate my pain. Mm. Now, speaking of making millions, that's an excellent point, brother. Excellent. Um, speaking of making millions, millions and billions are being made in the marijuana industry. Mm -hmm. And like you said, with the war on drugs, a lot of us went to jail. Some of sure. us are still in jail mm -hmm. over, you know, just selling weed. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us black and brown people took the chance of selling weed and creating a marijuana industry where there was none. And now, we have historically been researching and developing this proof of concept that mm -hmm. they are now making millions and billions mm -hmm. off of. Absolutely. But we locked out of it. Absolutely. How do you feel like we can get more involved in that? Hmm. I think that we have to push for minority inclusion the same way they did uh, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Like, see, Atlanta is the way it is right now. It is a result of the stands that Martin Luther King took. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We still feeling the, the, the ripples of the success that came from the sacrifices mm -hmm. that Martin Luther King, uh, Andrew Young, uh, Joseph Lowry, Maynard Jackson, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So the sacrifices that they that they made, 
For instance, I give you an example. Mm-hmm. Maynard Jackson became the first black mayor of Atlanta in 72, I believe. Okay. This was, you know, I think Martin Luther King died in 68, mm-hmm. I believe. 65. I, I'm, I'm not bad with, I'm very bad with dates. Okay. So, Martin Luther King died. The next election, after Martin Luther King died, there was a black mayor elected, okay? This black mayor, he rebuilt the airport. And in rebuilding the airport, there were budgets and contracts to be given out for people to render certain services. Mm -hmm. And usually, people like us would be blocked out of that Mm -hmm. as far as contractors is concerned, right? Mm -hmm. We could come work, maybe, but we'd be blocked out of that. Mayor Jackson said, Okay, who are we gonna get to pull these runways and deal with these? He said, I want people of color, uh, uh, black people, to pull the runways. Mm-hmm. I think they would die, because I think he got down to all, and he saw that there were no people, there were no black people who had contracts. And they said, well, there are no black people who pull runways. He said, well, hell, that ain't nothing but some asphalt. It's black people that pull asphalt. Mm-hmm. Get some goddamn asphalt pulls out mm-hmm. here and pull the damn runway. Mm-hmm. And so that's how minority inclusion began in Atlanta. And ever since then, Mm -hmm. anything you doing in Atlanta, I don't give a damn what it is. Mm -hmm. You gonna have to have black people involved, whether it's building the Mercedes Benz dome, Mm -hmm. or whether it's building housing, new housing complexes, or housing complexes, or either clubs and restaurants. Right. This is interesting. Like, but we have to do that on a national level. Yeah. Marvel is is in Atlanta, right? And you like, you like the realest nigga in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I'm like the most quiet motherfucker <laughs> yeah, in the Marvel you know what I'm saying? Um, What you just said to me, David Banner, who's a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I speak to him often, what you just broke down to me, a week ago, he broke down to me verbatim. Mm-hmm. He was talking about his peoples that deal with the airports. Right. And I was telling him, I was in Atlanta, because I was in Atlanta, I seen you at the Dave Chappelle thing. Right, And right. I was, I had oh, gone I to the mall too. to buy some clothes. You was there too, yeah. she was at the show too. Okay. I was like, we're going to the mall to Boston. I went to Saks right. uh, by across the street from the in in, in, uh, in Buckhead, right? Right. And man, there's some fancy ass black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. like, now this is so some, inspiring. If, it looked like Wakanda in that mall. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It is. I'm like, man, these motherfuckers in Atlanta, like, this motherfucker like, forgot they black. This really? <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be riding yeah. down the expensive neighborhoods and yeah. you're seeing black yeah. families, black fathers. Sure. It's amazing. Right. And Banner was breaking down, you know, how there's more black millionaires in Atlanta than any place else. It is. And he said it's because of the construction mm-hmm. and because of the contracts with the shit like the airport. Yeah. You See, because you know, you, now you do know mm-hmm. that even back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, like there were hustlers that had the money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... The civil rights were funded by mostly like by, by hustlers. Mm. Of course, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh Harry Belafonte, Sidney yeah. Portnier, and all them mm-hmm. did their thing. But the day-to-day, boots on the ground, shit that had to be done. Like Jose William was going to holler at the number runners, yeah. the, the gamblers, and you know what I'm saying? Motherfucker had to get there, put it together mm-hmm. and handle it. Now, in the same right, in exchange for that. When bills were passed and when things were happening, those hustlers knew what was going on. So they knew to buy this land right here mm. that they could go take their care of money to get. Like over there where the 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 Mercedes Benz Dome is right mm-hmm. now. And that was like those were number runners and 
you know what I'm saying? Like gambling house owners and folk who sold reefer and shit mm -hmm. before Arthur Blank and all them, they had to buy that from hustlers. Mm. Wow. You see what I'm saying? So most of the land in Atlanta, at least on the side right now, that's being expanded, gentrified, that money came from hustlers. Mm. That money went to hustlers. So you, you're well known as a hustler, and this is a lot of gain that everybody getting. <clears throat> yes, um, thank you for teaching us. Yeah, you have a construction oh, company well, amongst other things, right? Yeah. Uh, you also have V Live. No, no, it's no, over. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't own no strip club. It's illegal. Oh, okay. I'm a felon, but. I, um, you know, there's some constituents of mine that did you do a deal with, with a dude, and because they are my brothers, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, when people mistake because they see me there so got much it, or because it, of my it. close association, when they mistake it, I don't correct them. It's like the gang laws in L.A., like they, you know people in the hood and then you get affiliated with the gang, you don't have yeah, to be banging at all. I guess so. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I bring that up because I try to make a segue to talk about like I was in Atlanta for that show, and I seen a billboard for Freaknik, mm. uh. and I'm like, that don't look like how it was because I, I, mean, nah. I was there back in the day. Freaknik you know? was the first festival. Yeah, I heard about. You know what I'm saying? Freaknik was like the girls. first. It was the first black festival mm. to me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like the like the Kappa Beach party yeah. in Galveston, Texas. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you know. Daytona, mm -hmm. the Daytona Beach thing, or Beach. Jack the Rapper, you know what I'm saying? Like, so Freaknik was like that. But Atlanta it just kind of got out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it did. I was around you know for some I mean? of that. But Atlanta, not just Freaknik, but with the strip clubs, has become the capital for being free yeah. when it comes to that type of work, when it comes to like, you know, women just being free with they, they bodies and, and, and... Well, that's kind of how... That's the internet you're talking about. That is the <laughs> Atlanta, you know. The internet did that. Atlanta does have amazing strip clubs. I've yes. frequented a couple. Yeah. And great food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, all of that stuff, that culture, all that stuff comes from hustling back in mm -hmm. the day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, Magic City is one of... And Blue Flame. Oh, I love that place. Uh, two of the... <laughs> just kidding. Mm-hmm. Oldest, most prestigious, most legendary establishments in the city. Uh, the same guys who owned it when it opened are the same guys that own it right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's generational wealth that had been created mm -hmm. by these modest, young, black, entrepreneurial businessmen and they kept it in the family mm -hmm. they didn't sell it out to to the big corporations they you know what i mean they still plugging away getting their money they twos and fuse mm -hmm. they building is paid for mm -hmm. they've made they reached legendary status and they still you know that's the like atlanta is a place where you know how they say six degrees of separation mm -hmm. atlanta is a two phone call town for no matter what it is you need to get mm -hmm. done it's two phone calls that you call me and say, hey, Tip, think of something. What would you, try, what would you be trying to do? Trying to go to the Trap Music Museum. Okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that turned into one phone call. That's one phone call. <laughs> uh, let's oh, say yeah. if you're trying to get some tickets to the game, mm -hmm. you want to go to the Falcon game. Hey, Tip, I'm in town. I want to go to the Falcon game. Okay, well, damn, I don't have any tickets. But hold on. I know who might have some. And I call somebody, hey, here go my guy. He got the tickets. Y'all talk about the tickets, and you get it done. That happens whether it's some tickets mm -hmm. or a liquor license mm -hmm. or 
you trying to get a contract at the airport. Mm -hmm. It don't matter. That's the way Atlanta works. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? If you get to somebody who can get you to somebody, then you can get anything done in my city. Mm. Uh, you and ASAP Rocky, you yeah. guys are close, right? Yeah, that's my buddy. So um, how do you feel about the whole situation that's going on? Well, uh, first of all, I think, you know what I'm saying, he need to be free immediately. Uh, I believe that he's being held uh, in inhumane conditions, and I feel that there's been enough visible uh, evidence to show that he did not institute mm -hmm. any aggression or violence. Yeah. Uh, he was being responsive to being uh, accosted. And even showed some restraint. Yeah, restraint. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel they all showed incredible amounts of restraint. Um, I agree with that. I, I've been in a situation where, and I'm, I know you have, mm. where yeah, the, the celebrity and the fame brings people feel like mm -hmm. they want to bring a certain level of aggression. And because you don't know the level of threat, sure. you have to treat it with a certain level of, to protect you and yours and your family. And I, listen, I don't, you know, I've been, I've gotten old, I've gotten better in my, you know, in my, my, my most recent years. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't always responded that way. Mm -hmm. You know, well, brings me to my celebration of the day. I was just dismissed from a case where I was being sued by a gentleman who says that someone beat him up in, in Florida. I don't know mm -hmm. what happened, but he, 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 but he admitted that he was the antagonizer mm -hmm. and he was the aggressor mm -hmm. and that he left bruised and beat up. Let's clap it up for winning. Yeah. Yes, amen. Yeah, I've, you know, there's I, videos. I, I hate that. I wish, I don't know how that happened or what became of it, but I wish him the absolute best as he proceeds elsewhere. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean. This ain't, this ain't the meal ticket. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and it happens um, with me, like, I feel like if you a certain age in hip hop, um, you know, you, you've, you've been in the prison system before. Yeah. And so not, I think just the way you move, not just because of your personal experience, but we all stand up to mass incarceration. Sure. And it's not just an American thing, it's a global thing. We sure. all stand up, we all look to try to... Uh, Inequalities. That's absolutely Discrimination. right. Discrimination. So for me, it's not even about whether or not the conditions of where he's staying is bad or not. No. It's the principle of the matter. It is. You know, and... It's the fact that he didn't do nothing. Right. And yeah. if you've seen that video, you, you understand that, that what it was. Right. There's large segments of our community right now who are upset at ASAP Rocky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because and I'm going to read uh, something that he said. Now, I consider Rocky a friend of mine as well. Right. Um, this is something he said over Ferguson years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2016, he said this. I'm somebody who went to Ferguson. Mm -hmm. um, Somebody, he was asked by Time Out New York about the Ferguson protests and Black Lives Matter. He said, why? Because I'm black. Uh, every time something happens because I'm black, I got to stand up. What the fuck am I, Al Sharpton now? I live in fucking Soho, Beverly Hills. I can't relate. Um, there are people that say, and I, I personally, I'm going to put this out there. I feel like this is off code. Mm -hmm. There are people who get off code and say because he said this statement mm -hmm. that they don't agree with, statement I also don't agree with, right. that somehow he's deserving of what's happening to him, that somehow it's karma. What do you have to say to people who feel like that? I feel like if you, if you look for an excuse to not support someone when they need your support, then you never would have supported them anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, that's of a vindictive nature and mm -hmm. vengeance is of the Lord. You dig what I'm saying? No uh, I think, do I agree with the statement? Hell no, nah, shit was stupid. But his stupid statement ain't going to keep me from being the stand-up guy that I am and supporting what I know is right in my heart. That's right. And you I, dig what I'm saying? Now, when, they, when, now when, when we get him here, we can talk to him about that at that point. Once we get him out. See if he feels yeah. the same way. I doubt, I very highly doubt he will. True enough, mm -hmm. it is a lesson, but it's not for us to teach the lesson. We don't teach the lesson. The universe mm -hmm. teaching the lesson. That means the universe did what it did. We must do what we do. And then we'll talk about it when everybody get back at 100%. Up. Exactly. Because you know I mean? nothing's going to change if every time somebody does something wrong, you just condemn them. And obviously, I don't agree with the statements either. But I was um, going back and forth in a Facebook group because people were saying, oh, I hope he gets 15 years or throw away the key. And I'm like, why would you ever wish that on anybody? The period. Right, like street code, street code they, is, they, they, they wishes don't matter. Yeah, isn't you know it what I'm like saying? you're That's not supposed to wish jail it. on your worst enemy? Nah, you don't wish jail or Death. disease. Right. No. Well, you know. If someone, unless if, <laughs> if someone killed somebody in my family, that's the only time I'm going to wish death I on I mean, man, look, personally. you know, it but get rough out there. It does. <laughs> it does. So, so let me, let me, let me segue to this. Yeah. Um, you have, in recent years, become bigger than just a rapper or actor, but also I, f I feel like you're a curator of the culture. Mm. And you're as, as not, I'm not going to say an elder statesman, mm. you know, but you definitely, the unk. Right you on. know what I'm saying? Like oh. the OG. I, I go for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With social justice, like I said, you were curator of the culture. Um, people don't know that you put up your own money mm -hmm. for bail. Um, 23 nonviolent inmates. DeKalb County. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel like the criminal justice system? And for for and also uh, again for Father's Day. Oh mm. oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, again for Father. I mean, man, look, we. I'm just doing my little part, and I ain't really doing it for no real recognition. I ain't really doing it like to be seen, and then mm -hmm. I just feel like, and, and to be honest with you. Ever since I was able to do more, I've done more. Even when it was just me, a guy nobody knew, uh, when I had I'm Serious, who went and rented a U-Haul, filled it up with turkeys and, mm. and food, and went out to the projects and passed them out, real Nino Brown style. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or a guy who filled up a U-Haul with toys on Christmas, drove them to the projects and passed them out. Nobody knew who I was. Mm. I was just a guy with a U-Haul. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I. And as my means expanded, so did my contributions. Mm -hmm. um, and now, I, I mean, I didn't gave out enough toys and turkeys. Mm. You know, now it's time to do things that are really meaningful, like scholarships and, you know, trying to show people how to be financially, how to be financially responsible, how to build wealth for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think freeing them in a time where the system is working just as hard against them as they are working for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Before, when people ask for assistance or people ask for help, we thought they were just begging and being lazy. Now motherfucker really need it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, so I just try, man, you know, do the best that I can to subsidize in whatever way possible. Right. I just want to say thank you because, like, they... 
our culture is always like talking about like, oh, well, why is T.I. not doing something? Or why is Jay-Z not doing something? And you guys are doing things. And it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be like broadcast. But if everybody does their little part, then, you know, that's going to work together for things to start changing. And I haven't seen changes. Thank you. I, I mean, man, listen, because I've heard, I, I'm going to say this to you because I've heard you say this a few times in this sit down. You keep talking about what people saying. The old motherfucker gonna say shit whether we doing shit perfect or not. They already got, what they say negatively is more of a reflection of how they feel about themselves. You know what I mean? That's what I understood. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to be moved by what a motherfucker say. Like, you know, I used to say shit like, man, you know, I die for my respect. And then I start like, an old head in the joint were like, well, how much sense does that make, right? You done tricked yourself out of life because someone, because of what? Man, they did respect me. Then he said, well, let me ask you this. What is the value of the respect coming from a non-respectable person? How much value should you, if he don't respect you and he ain't respectable, don't nobody on the block respect him, everybody likes, you know, shooing him. Why do you care about whether or not he respects you? You mean to tell me you'll lose your life for that respect? Mm. You know what I mean? And that kind of, it refocused my perspective. Um, so I know that, man, motherfuckers gonna talk, man, just because they got, they, they got a mouth. Some people talk because they have something to say, and some people talk because they just feel they have to say something. Mm. You know what I mean? So my advice to you from that point forward is remember, if you live for the cheers, you will die by the booze. Mm. So you just got to got there, be got there, even tempered, be the, be the thermostat, not the thermometer. Mm. You dig what I'm saying? Yes. A lot of jewels and gems, brother. Man. I'm trying, man. I've been I'm taking trying notes. To, I'm taking notes, gems. baby. I'm trying, to give, I'm trying to give her all I got, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like her generation going to need that shit, mm -hmm. just like, you know, just like we did. Absolutely. Um, tell me about this movie about Flint and the mm. water crisis. Um, well, it's, it's in partnership with Overbrook Entertainment, mm -hmm. which is Will Smith's production company. Uh, they also did ATL, um, and uh, it's a fictional story around the water crisis. You know, it's a gentleman who is of the community, who has changed his life around, but has a reputation as something far different from what he represents right now. And... Uh, he is called upon to get to the bottom of missing of some missing people. Okay. And as he does this, the more he uncovers, he un, he, he discovers the water crisis. Mm. I see what Jaden Smith was doing out there mm. um, with the water situation. It's definitely noble. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and the movie, um, I would assume that the movie is 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 not just for entertainment, but it's also to bring awareness and to help it's definitely the to bring it's definitely to bring awareness and you know to show how serious it is and just you know what I'm saying I feel like their story needs to be told you know they deserve to be heard um, 
and it's a lot of people been reaching out to me on Instagram and, and social media. Listen, it's not time right now to start casting people, but we uh. have every intention to film in Flint. <laughs> okay, so this and is... cast in okay. Flint. Yeah, because you know people and, gonna have them questions. Yeah, I get it, mm -hmm. but you know sometimes you can fuck up an opportunity just by being too aggressive. If you mm -hmm. squeeze soap too tight in the shower, it slip mm -hmm. out your hand. So like in Atlanta where they got them billboards with Tyler Perry. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like on some real shit, don't walk in with your with your baggage from the last like time. Well, last time they did something, they did it like this, and y'all ain't going to. Whoa, listen. What you can do is talk yourself out of an opportunity, mm -hmm. or you could just be cool and when you hear about casting, y'all come on through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No doubt. Um, now, you... Um have stressed family in your music and your and your public life you've put your family on a reality show you've lived in a very public way do you have any advice because people don't even know how to maintain marriages and families without nope, being but none famous. of us do without yeah even even without being don't famous. think i got no goddamn instruction man you uh, know, you know, shit is. instructions is different but you definitely like y'all you and your wife have been an example to people to mm -hmm. um well, for people you. who are going through some things and who still show love to each other. Man, we ha we happy to represent that in mm -hmm. the community and for the culture. And sometimes that shit is enough to keep us together. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? She'll be sick of my shit, I'll be sick of hers. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we got a whole nother set of children that we got to explain this shit to. Right. And we be like, man, fuck it. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? I don't even feel like facing the nation with this shit. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? So, you know... We appreciate y'all and we value that. Um, but, man, we really never set out to do this or be this or, or represent this. Mm -hmm. We really just wanted to tell our story. It's just that more humbling and flattering that our story, it motivated and inspired so many other mm -hmm. people you know what I mean, to 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 walk in a similar path. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to be congratulated for doing something, I'm like, this is the only time I've been congratulated for doing some shit that I feel like I was always going to do anyway. <laughs> right. Like, man, you know, being there for them kids, man. <laughs> right. Us men, we get props for a lot of things that we supposed to just do naturally. Like, we got to stop being surprised at black men yeah. being around but them I'm kids, like, too. What would you, are you saying as opposed to what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you saying if I wasn't there for him, you still fuck with me, you just wouldn't come up here and congratulate mm -hmm. me or I mm -hmm. mean like That's that's real talk, bro. I mean I just always feel I always wanted to be a father. Like this is the best shit, this is the dopest shit I feel like I, I I'm able to do. Ain't it grand? Yeah. I've always wanted to be a father. I've all I always had I always wanted to be like, you know, a cool dad to my <laughs> sons and my daughters. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be like my son's first hero, my daughter's first love. Um, and I never, I never anticipated this kind of acclaim from it. Mm -hmm. You dig what I'm saying? I do. Back when I wanted to do it, like I was in probably ninth grade trying to have a baby. What? Yes, sir. Well, you started your, your, your business at sixth grade, so I'm sure yeah, you Yeah, but I was, but, but see the thing is, right, I was taking care of my mama. Like early, early, early on, paying bills and helping out, and I was the man of the house. And so, 
I assumed that responsibility. I was like, well, if I'm doing this for my moms, I may as well mm -hmm. have a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, luckily for me, it wasn't until I was like 18, 19 to when I actually. And as soon as I found out that my first uh, child's mom was pregnant before he was born, I had a record deal, an apartment. I stopped selling dope. Mm -hmm. My whole life changed. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, it's almost like every time I dropped the album, I had a baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No doubt. So... As I as I as I assumed more esteem and and acclaim in hip hop, my family expanded. Mm. So it's like it grew with me. That's love, bro. Um, I have one more question. Okay. Um, you the king of the south. You, Indubitably. You claimed it. You owned it. You stated it. You made it happen. Inequivocally. Yes. Scarface is running. City Council, right? Right. Willie D running. Absolutely. Right? Can you run for mayor, city council, no. anything you not think about? Absolutely nothing? not. No. <laughs> mm -mm. I'm in the for profit business. Okay. <laughs> okay. You understand me? So ain't no mayor tip. No, sir. I have no interest. <laughs> no okay. interest. Have no like interest you, nor intention. It's more strategic the way you're moving now. Nah, man. See, you look, can do bro, a lot for the city still. Though. I do, and I will continue to do all like you I the can mayor, for like the, the mayor, city. The mayor of the streets. I mean, to be honest with you, you heard of Herman Russell? Mm -mm. I want to be Herman Russell. Okay. Herman Give Russell down, is huh? the largest black developer in Atlanta history. He built the first dome. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He built like a lot of those official buildings down there, Herman Russell. And I want to be the next Herman Russell. Mm -hmm. And Herman Russell, he had a relationship with every mayor. Mm -hmm. in, like no matter from Maynard Jackson to Andrew, Ambassador Andrew Young to Bill Campbell to Shirley Franklin. Every mayor he had a relationship with, he helped the city, he helped expand and build the airport. He had all mm. this stuff going on, but he never had to deal with politics. Mm. See, one thing about it, right, as you could tell from the story I told you about my entrepreneurship, I have a thing for making money. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, indeed. So I don't need to be anything where I can get in trouble mm -hmm. for and making legitimate money. I feel that. And you need to be if somebody boss. come to me, mm -hmm. sit at the table and find a legitimate way for us to make legitimate money, if I'm the mayor, I could get in trouble for that. Right. I don't need that job because I'm right. going to get in trouble every time. Right. I don't need that job uh, until I get enough money to where I say, fuck it. And I ain't got there yet. Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For me, yeah. it ain't really even about the money. It's about the success. Mm -hmm. It's about the victories, you know what I'm saying? I just love to build. I love to think things, create it, and envision it in my mind and see it manifest. Mm -hmm. uh, and I ain't ready to get that up yet, but I will help whatever way I can and empower and support whoever is the best candidate for the position. I myself, not so much. I help strategize, <laughs> but I can't do it. No doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, the rubber band man, rubber the band grand band. hustler, the king of the south, give it up for Tip. Yeah, right on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you all for having me. I love it. Thank you all.